Happy Sunday, everybody. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. This is On Texas Football. Uh, Ian, uh, welcome in. We've got a couple things we want to talk about. Uh, you and I are going to do a special Sunday edition. I didn't get a chance to talk to you about some of the things I wanted to on Friday's live stream. Uh, so bringing you back here. Uh, one of the things that came out on Friday that we wanted to discuss, uh, DraftKings, our venerable new fangled betting thing that they have these days with online gambling and betting. Uh, they've come out with what some things that Vegas used to do and some things Vegas didn't used to do. One of those things is number of wins expected by team in the Big 12. DraftKings came out with Texas at nine and a half wins. Uh, now, Texas wasn't the only one. To give you a couple other ones, other ones. Oklahoma, nine and a half. K-State, defending Big 12 champs, eight and a half. Then it drops down. This was interesting. Defending, I mean, finalist in the national championship game, TCU, Tech, and Baylor, all at seven and a half. Uh, then you go down to Kansas, Oklahoma State, UCF at six and a half. BYU at uh, six and Iowa State at 5.5. And then you finish up in the Big 12 with two newcomers, Cincinnati Houston, and Houston, as well as West Virginia at 4.5. But let's start with the Longhorns, okay? Um, why do you think, I mean, do you think, we, we had a poll on here uh, about a week ago now that, that most fans thought Texas was a 10-plus win team. Do you think Texas is, or would, would you take the over or the under, or do you think Vegas has this pegged about right? They haven't pegged well. Um, I would I would still want to take the over if I had to bet. It's not they've not made it a value bet, I would say, right? Like to bet on a team to win more than nine and a half games, they have to have a very, very good season. Like you can't have any of the shenanigans that Texas often has to to disrupt them. So uh but you know what they're seeing is Texas returns just a tremendous amount of talent that they had last year, especially at quarterback and all these receivers, and that just really matters. There's and the league is down, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting. Um, if I'm taking one team to get the over of that of their win total, it's Texas Tech in this group. Um, more so than Oklahoma. Oklahoma, I'd probably take the over for K State of eight and a half. I bet they get the nine if you include a bowl game and not just a regular season, but also potential Big Twelve championship or Big Twelve playoff game kind of thing. Uh, but Texas Tech feels to me like they've got more than a seven and a half win team. Am I overestimating uh, the Red Raiders at this point? No, I'm, I think they have a lot of the same things going for them that Texas does. You know, I agree. Tyler, same characteristics. Yeah. Tyler Shuck is back. He's very talented. He's now experienced. They have a good backup like Texas does. Baron Morton uh, got his feet wet last year. They have all their receivers back. They added a transfer receiver from FCS. Joey McGuire has them playing defense in a completely different fashion than they used. To. I, I think that they're very easy over as well. I would I'm throwing another one, but maybe we'll get to them in a minute. Who, who is that? Who else? I, Iowa State. I don't think they're going to be that bad again. I don't think they were really that bad last year. It's just that they couldn't score in the red zone, and they couldn't. They lost all these games like ten to nine and fourteen to ten, and uh, I I just think that 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 over-under is based a little too much on their record last year and not some of the inputs that they have and, and where they're likely to go next year. 
Well, Hunter Decker's the left-handed quarterback that kind of sliced and diced Texas up. Yeah. Uh, back. Uh, now the question is, does he have a set of receivers now that mm -hmm. Xavier Hutchinson is gone? Uh, you wonder about that. They never did have a true running game a year ago. That was um, the real big thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they just couldn't do anything. They had a good play-action quarterback. Uh, mm -hmm. Strong runner, strong, good strong arm, accurate in the short game. Uh, but when you can't run the football, that doesn't necessarily help you that much. Um, and so I, I feel like I agree with you. I think five and a half, which is what they were at. I think they're going to be bowl eligible uh, this time. Uh, time we're talking to them next time uh, in in about six months from now, whenever they're, the end of the season is over. Um, the other thing, Ian, that we talk about, and, and this is something that you're going to do a uh, series on for Inside Texas that I want to mention uh, this Saturday or this uh, Sunday uh, edition of on Texas football, but you're going to do uh, this off season, a brief look, not a brief look, a, a in detail look of what you think Texas has to do against certain teams and how teams are going to scheme them. Uh, because you're, you're right. Texas does know our, our teams do know what Texas has at most positions. A lot of the same guys are back. And other than Bijan and Roshan, just about every significant player is in some aspect uh, or some role. Given that, um, I want to ask you about three in particular, right, that I think are going to be probably near the top of the, the rung. Number one, Brent Venables and his defense. They're obviously going to try to do something this year uh, to slow down the Texas offense. What do you think Brent Venables tries to do differently this year as opposed to last year? Perhaps he's got better personnel to deal with, too, on top of that. Yeah. I, I mean, last year they kind of overly respected Quinn Ewers. They moved their best corner to free safety, and they played they played way back. They had, you know, early in the game, they had like a cornerback lined up across Kelvin Banks in a dime package. And Kelvin Banks, like, you know, rode him to the end zone. They will not do that again, I don't think. I think that their strategy will be very, very blitz heavy. I think they're going to look at Texas and they're going to say, you know, we need to get in Ewer's head. We need to rattle him. We can't try to cover all these receivers. That's not going to happen. We have to attack Ewer's. We have to attack Texas's interior line. Um, they loaded up in the portal with some of their best additions in the portal to my eyes are, you know, Desan McCullough, kind of a hybrid outside linebacker from Indiana, and then a sort of a defensive swing defensive end, Rondell Bothroyd from, um, I want to say Purdue. I'm, I'm not sure. Wake Forest. Wake Forest. That's right. Path, these are pass rushers. Um, they're going to, they're going to just try to blitz the tar out of Texas. And they're going to, they're going to make sure on behalf of the rest of the league that Texas can actually hold up, that Ewers can hit his hot reads, that the, you know, interior line that we're not sure how it's going to shake out can pick it up. And they also bring in Peyton Bowen, the talented freshman safety, I think, that may end up starting for them. But Reggie yeah. Pearson, the other safety, is also back there. I thought they really were poor in the secondary a year ago. I bet Brenton Venables, now that he's had a year to look at what he's got, uh, improves that group. So but the thing that, that we've talked about, though, you know, Ian, is, okay, we know Brent Venables is probably going to bring the house, right? Mm -hmm. That That's going into the game, Steve Sarkeesian – likely thinks that's what OU is going to do. Given that, what is the counteraction or what is the counterpunch that Steve Sarkeesian throws back at Brent Venables? 
that's going to be a game where if Texas can run the ball without Bijan Robinson, they're going to want to maintain that. Like last year, they were able to line up in double tight ends or, you know, maybe with carriage, whatever. And they were able to just kind of run it down Oklahoma's throat. And sometimes you can kind of simplify things and, and discourage teams from blitzing if you can just line up and smash them in the, in the mouth. And those blitzes can turn into uh, boomer bust plays or you can risk, you know, getting hit by a seam. Jonathan Brooks is, uh, you know, 70 yards behind you. So if they can, if they have that in the, in the tool, in the toolkit next year, that's going to be a very easy solution. Otherwise it's going to be, you know, how developed is yours at spreading out a team and hitting his hot routes? Um, how, how much do they expand their screen package? Can they run RPOs that make those blitzes a little dicier where you try to bring guys into the backfield and then they're turning around because the ball is, is hitting out quick on the perimeter to Jordan Whittington or, or Xavier Worthy. Um, yeah, oh, it's going to be – if they can run the ball, then they'll do that. But otherwise, it's going to be a test of, you know, how well is yours mastering the offense and how much – how much have we been able to give him and equip him with to beat the blitz? So like what? Quick outs, uh, you know, hit the back out of the backfield. What What are you talking about here? So screens, you know, slip screens, tunnel screens. They have a really good tight end screen package. I'm sure they already have that master. They'll do that. Um, the ultimate The ultimate way to beat a blitz is to, is to spread them out more. You get four, you get five guys out. Um, and then the blitz becomes much more obvious because the defense can't just leave guys uncovered, right? They have to have guys in some semblance of position to be able to cover the routes if they run quick routes. And uh, it makes it a little easier for the quarterback to see what's happening. So, you know, quarterback has to know what's hot. He has to understand his protections. He has to know where he has to slide to stay open long enough to get throws off. But that's the ultimate, right? Like if, if you tried to blitz like the Colt McCoy Longhorns, that's what they would do. They just get every spread everybody out, send Chris Obanaya to the sideline and just dice you up. Well, it's interesting. It's gonna be interesting. You're saying they need a Sark needs to come up with a run package that that hits a little bit. Uh, and then uh, Quinn Ewers needs to be ready to get the ball out quick, it sounds like, uh, mm-hmm. either in the screen game or uh, find some other aspects that that he can get going. Uh, another team that I I we just talked about a second ago that I'm interested, you know, Joey McGuire has a, has a, has improved the the Red Raiders on defense. Zach Kitley, their offensive coordinator, uh, did a great job a year ago against the Longhorns. Uh, you, you said that that's one of the games you're looking forward to when we were talking uh, before this show privately. What, what about tech is it that makes you think that that can be an interesting game from a game planning perspective for Steve Sarkeesian? Yeah, probably a number of things. I One, they really game plan Texas very well last year, uh, like you were saying. They, uh, you know, they had their plan for fourth downs. They had a plan to shut down the offense. Once Xavier Worthy was gone, they shut things down. It's a very good staff, uh, and, they, and it's the last game of the year. And there might be, you know, one of the teams may be playing for the chance to get in the Big 12 championship. Um, so, or both, right? It could be an elimination game, a de facto semifinal. So it's going to be an extremely heavily game-planned game. Tech is going to be looking forward to it all year. Um, Secondly, they're maybe the class of the league outside of Texas. They have so much returning talent, like we just mentioned. So it 
they might be kind of the best on the best in the league next year. It's early. We're not sure, but that is definitely one way it could turn out. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're very aggressive in coverage also. Like they, the way they played Texas last year and the way they played most of the teams, they had big physical defensive backs and they pressed up on guys and they have big physical pass rushers on the edge. Um, they're really going to challenge you. They're really going to make you – they're not going to give – Quinn Ewers easy offense. They're going to make them prove that they can execute uh, more skill intensive portions of the playbook. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Uh, It's interesting because I want to know what Texas is going to do different um, because I thought they had a great first half last year with Hudson Card starting uh, against Tech. Great is, is maybe a bit rich, but a decent, a good first half. It the second good. half, the offense just went kaput and went, yeah. you know, went south. What was it that Tech did in that second half to Hudson Card and the Longhorns, and what might Sark do differently this year? Well, they – I don't remember how much they pressed early in the game, but they definitely did later when Worthy was out. And uh, Texas tried to take shots to ease up the pressure, but they just weren't there. And then you try to run the ball, but because they're playing press man coverage, they can get an extra guy in the box. Um, and so they had guys, they were loading up the box. They were denying all the quick, easy passes. And it was like, you're either going to chuck it deep and you're going to beat us and we'll live with that, or you're not, and we're going to get the ball back fast. Um, I Some of that is going to have to come down to, you know, developing a wide receiver. This is what you bring in Adonai Mitchell for. This is what you want Isaiah Naor healthy again for. Worthy can beat press coverage, I think, but I don't know if he's the best release valve on a vertical route. You kind of want those big physical guys that can get a release and, and give you targets down the field and then, uh, you know, you just start to discourage that kind of behavior from a defense. So basically it's personnel in some in some respects. It's personnel. It's, you know, viewers knowing the right places and times to hit them, making their, making a – throwing a catchable ball. Um yeah, it's basic fundamentals, right? Yep. Um, what about Kansas State, the defending Big 12 champ? Because Longhorns handled them pretty well, I thought, up in um, up in uh, Manhattan. I thought K-State's offense, actually, if it weren't for turnovers, moved the ball pretty well against Longhorns at times. Um, are you worried about Texas uh, handling their offense or their defense better, Ian? The uh, – well, Both. This game is a little more schematic. I think Texas Tech is kind of good on good. 
who's going to out-execute each other. Kansas State has uh, very good offensive designs. You know, they were running a few different double moves and kind of misdirection routes that broke guys open against Texas last year. Um, And they were were hitting them, right? And then defensively, they have – the, the flyover defense, the three three five, it's a it's a shape shifting defense. It can become a lot of different things after the snap. Last year they did a really good job down the stretch. They kind of realized like Quinn Ewers is not going to beat us, and they started sneaking more and more players to the box to stop Bijan and playing the run more and more aggressively. Um, and Texas, you know, they just kind of had to hang on for dear life there at the end because they didn't have great answers for it. the The nature of that defense is that they can really move guys around where they're needed. So it's not just a load the box defense. It could be a load the box defense. It could be a load up the coverage defense. It could be a either. It could be that to one side and not to the other. You know, they have eight guys standing up off the ball. They're just always moving around and shifting. And it's a lot to, it's a lot to see and read. And you really need a good game plan to try to unmuddy the waters for a quarterback. And you need a lot of answers for, you know, how to avoid them just, you know, ganging up on your strengths. Got it. Um, speaking with Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, this is On Texas Football. Ian, uh, one last team, and I want to try to tie this all together uh, here, and we talked about it at, at the very outset. And, and this group right here, Tech, TCU, and Baylor, all at seven and a half. TCU at seven and a half after going to the national championship game a, a year ago, does that surprise you, one? And also, they clearly had Texas's number on on defense last year. So their defense absolutely smothered uh, not only Quinn Ewers, but also the Texas run game. Um, I, that game essentially took Bijan Robinson, if there was a Heisman campaign, took him out of the race altogether. Uh, what do you think of uh, the, the Horned Frogs? I talked to Paul Wadlington on Saturday, and we were talking. I mean, they had eight guys drafted. It's a dramatically different team uh, for TCU this year. But what do you think about TCU and what is Texas going to have to do different this year on offense as opposed uh, on offense, essentially? Excuse me. I, You know, offensively, I think it's going to be a little bit similar because they still have uh, Josh Newton back who uh, was denying Xavier Worthy on some vertical routes. He's a very good quarterback. They still have the safety Bud Clark who they used as, as their main coverage guy at safety. They're, they brought a lot, guy, a lot of guys back on defense. They lost their best pass rushers, but on the back end, a lot of what made them good was having these three guys in Clark, Newton, and then Travis Hodges-Tomlinson, who was drafted, who could handle a lot of stress on the back end, and it allowed them to just kind of load the box, either to stop the run or to fire D. Winters into the box and move Dylan Horton around and, and blitz and whatnot. They're still going to be able to do that because they have so much of the secondary back. I don't know if they have as many weapons up front to rush the passer with or run into the backfield as they did last year. But if they can find them, then they're going to be unleashed because they still have the, the strength on the back end. I think that the easiest way for Texas to handle that is to be able to, to do what we know they want to do, which is to spread teams out a little bit more and try to actually attack that strength rather than, uh, you know, last year they were just kind of shelling up in a bunker and hoping that they could Bijan could make something happen. Their yeah, offense I mean, is 
Go ahead. It's it's interesting because really Texas only had three receiving threats last year, right? Xavier Worthy, if he can be taken out by one guy, then you have Jordan Whittington underneath and Jatavian Sanders. Uh, this year, it should be theoretically different uh, given the uh, number of receivers Texas have uh, has not just from a numbers perspective, but the quality of them, right? And even when they did spread out TCU at the end of the game, they couldn't punch the ball in in the goal line, but TCU had trouble with Jatavian Sanders down the stretch. They had trouble tackling Jordan Whittington on, on, on screens and things. Texas just didn't have enough of that in the playbook or enough trust in viewers or whatever. Maybe they could have done, I don't know, probably not. They didn't have, they didn't have, that wasn't enough of the offense to, to lean into. Um, and so they, you know, they ran into TCU's trap. The frog offense is like a completely different animal than last year, though. You know, you watch them last year, and sometimes they would get bailed out just because Max Duggan, well, he was tough. He was a veteran. He made a lot of smart plays. But he also, if y'all if y'all didn't notice, he ran like a 4-5 at the combine. He could escape and just kill you with his legs, like really, really fast in the open field, agile. And uh, they just had – I mean, that was expl- an explosive dimension. Obviously, Quentin Johnson was explosive. Darius Davis was explosive. Kendra Miller was one of the best running backs in the league. In a year without Bijan, maybe he's the best. And they're all gone. So, um, and they don't have the same, it's going to be a, a minute before they reload with the same caliber of explosiveness and experience skill. So in, in uh, Fort Worth, they're talking heavily about Trey Sanders and Jojo Earl, uh, the two transfers from Alabama. Uh, Sanders yeah. coming off an injury uh, at running back. Earl uh, played slot for Alabama and, and is from Alito originally. Uh, so maybe they get some of that explosiveness back, but I agree with yeah. you. Uh, the difference at quarterback in the QB run game uh, put a lot of stress on uh, the Texas defense last year. And, and Texas, actually, their defense played TCU pretty darn well. It wasn't yeah. the defense that had, cool. had the problem. It was Texas scoring points against the Horns Frogs. Yeah, the, the TCU offensive line was a weakness that Texas was able to exploit. You saw a little bit of that again, like, say, in the Georgia game and really against Kansas State as well. They had, you know, they're just kind of slow-footed on the offensive line. This year they might be they might be worse. I guess we'll see We'll see where Tommy Brockemeyer is because he transferred there as well. Yeah, I don't know that he's – we'll see if, if, that, if that works out for him, if he's still healing up. Hey, um, Ian, one last thing I want to say is thanks for being with us on this Sunday. Uh, we do have uh, tomorrow, I'm going to speak with uh, Justin Wells. We're going to check in on the defensive freshman uh, from uh, spring ball. Uh, we did the offensive freshman a couple weeks ago. I want to finish up and do the defensive group. Uh, of course, that will be led by one young man named Anthony Hill, uh, who has had a terrific uh, first spring semester at the University of Texas. All right, Ian, thanks so much for this. Uh, I, like DraftKings said, Texas expected to win nine and a half. So that's the over and under uh, if you want to get in on that action. All right. For Ian Boyd, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been On Texas Football.